Soika is a retired, award-winning agriculture and environmental scientist. He's a writer of stories about the human spirit and human cultures in unusual and even fantastical circumstances. His published work has been variously described as science fiction, fantasy, and magical realism with a tendency to cross boundaries, blend cultures, and mix themes, time periods, and settings. Tell me about your mainstream fiction. Some of it is semi-autobiographical. I had a lot of work experience in Mexico and uh, Central and South America, Brazil, and, and even in New Zealand. And so I've used some of that to write cross-cultural stories. Recently, I wrote a story that was just based back in um, old merry old England, talking about some justice issues back when the gold standard was king and when there were lots of games played with how people handled money uh, and the, the uh, usury and the bow borrowing of money and the clipping of coins and all sorts of way of uh, cheating the system and a lot of it at that time uh, that was supposedly forbidden by Christianity was handled by uh, the Jews and yet the Christians in England uh, maintained their prejudice against the Jews but when things went wrong uh, they helped them uh, handle their money and at one point uh, they became the scapegoats for an economic collapse and the Jews were all rounded up and this story I wrote is about one particular money changer that gets caught up in that. Wow. Yeah, it's so, called a fair, The Fair Cut, it's spelled F-A-R-E, and that's because of a twist down the road in the story. What you described to me is a, a story about society and, and, and trying to develop the irony around uh, why the Christians are scapegoating the, the, the Jews, even though maybe they saved the bacon at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, that's a, to me, that's a fairly common theme in, 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 in science fiction as well. Um, I, I find that a lot of that kind of science fiction may be what I call activist science fiction, meaning somebody's unhappy, the writer. The writer's unhappy about what's going on in society, mm -hmm. and, and in contemporary society, society, and then frames it into a f little bit future world, which creates sort of an insulation effect, so that readers who maybe wouldn't quite agree to read the story in the pure contemporary sense might agree to read the story in, in a future setting and might come out with a little bit of a, a new understanding of, of, of yeah. why, why am I this way? The beauty about doing it as a sci-fi story is that you can get away from all the labels that right now may be you know setting people at each other's throats and mm -hmm. just put it into a more conceptual framework and uh, let it let it kind of dribble into their brains uh, and after the story's done let them seek their own parallels in in the current reality got a story that's going to be coming out in a best of anthology from um, New Myths and that one is uh, the one that's called Don't Forget. It's a fairly um 
tropic story about uh, a, a catastrophe that wipes out the earth and the group of people that survives uh, and the importance of the the youth rediscovering some of the some of the uh, simple realities of the world um, and then uh, finding out that uh, man comes back from Mars to help us out at some point. A trope is a literary device. The word trope refers to types of themes or situations that keep coming up in science fiction. And the, some of these tropes work so well that many authors use them over and over again in different creative ways. For example, some common th tropes in science fiction are machine is hero or machine takeover or alien encounter or first contact or destruction of the world. The Bone Necklace is another cross-cultural story, uh, and it's actually probably of all the stories I've ever written. That one, that one, and Between the Zeros and the Ones are probably my two favorite personal stories from from my own head. Uh, the Bone Necklace is based in uh, based on the guy that goes to New Zealand. This guy goes to New Zealand. He's a hydrologist and. Uh, has a sabbatical in New Zealand. Sound familiar yet? Winds up uh, making friends with some Maori folks. You know, some Maori. Maori. That's the Maori are the are the native people of New Zealand. Okay, they're a Polynesian culture, and a lot of the Polynesian cultures across the Pacific have uh, a number of similar beliefs. Uh, they've been separated far enough by time and distance that as you go to the different islands like Hawaii or whatever, that they they have their own particular flavor. But there's also a lot of connections that that you can find. There is a a tradition in um, in many of the Polynesian cultures that when uh, their um, loved ones die, that they they keep particularly the wrist bones of their corpses, and they will string them uh, on beads around their neck or ankles or whatever. What? And uh, so the story is built around the idea that there is mana, which means spiritual power invested in these things. And uh, the protagonist's wife um, winds up being enthralled by one of these necklaces mm -hmm. and delves into the consequences of that. If you want to learn more, read wow, the story. That. that sounds really <laughs> nice. So tell me, uh, and you were in New Zealand how long? A year. A year? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so you, did you treated this more as a what a work and was it a sabbatical completely or it was, was it, a, it was a sabbatical but I had I had my earned vacation time which yeah. I saved up for a couple years nice. and had a chance to do a lot of traveling around and uh, um, meeting people doing things uh, like I said some of it was spent writing you know so. yeah mm -hmm. so when you travel uh, are you frequently haunted with the idea of having to write something or well not haunted with the idea but I always carry around a little notebook and if something strikes my fancy you know I'll take notes and write it down I enjoy I, other cultures and I like to do travel situations where I'm not so much in a touristy place or a touristy mode. I like to be able to get out and live and walk among uh, the, the ordinary people doing ordinary things mm. and sit down in a park next to somebody and, you know, and mm. just start a conversation or, or cool. something like that. And uh, that's pretty Rick Steves of you. He was, uh, I was just, he was just talking about that on the show. It's like, you know, you should go up and ask, even if you, if you've been quiet for a long time when you're traveling, cause you don't speak the language, mm -hmm. come up with an excuse to go talk to somebody, you know, maybe you lost something, go ask for directions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and uh, don't ask me to prove it by speaking Spanish, but I do speak and understand a little bit of Spanish. So I, I've spent a lot of time in uh, Mexico, South Central, South in Central America, and uh, I would say I have survivor Spanish level uh, uh, enough to just barely have conversations, and, and that's fun. I spent a couple weeks in Cuba about two, three years ago, and 
That was wow. That was an eye opener. Um, the cross currents between reality and politics is, is is really interesting there. When you uh, take a break from work, do you take like a multiple? Like how many weeks do you usually? Do you well, I I'm on vacation 365 days nice. a year now. I, I retired 10 years ago, so oh, cool. uh, yeah. But uh, I spend my time doing probably two or three things in my life right now. I mean, I I spend a lot of time with volunteer things that I do in our community, uh, and I spend a fair bit of time on politics which we won't talk about uh, and then I also spend time writing so uh, the, the those things can uh, you know all be combined nicely with travel and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that I, I guess if I could say I do four things travel is also a big part so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever live as an expat anywhere? I have thought about it, uh, and I still sometimes think about it. I'm getting a little long in the tooth maybe at this point to you know, actually make that kind of a decision, but there are a handful of places that I would consider. I love New Zealand. Uh, it's a wonderful group of people. It's uh, got a form of government that I like. Um, I, uh, I enjoy uh, a number of, of the, the Central and South American countries, Costa Rica, Belize. Um, I was in Chile for a month here earlier this year, and um, Chile is uh, amazingly European in its feel, uh, amazingly almost Southern California in its look in a lot of places, and it's got a climatic spectrum that uh, you know just about spans everything from hot desert to uh, Canadian level cold winters when you get all the way down south, and it's so close to other cool things. I mean, you've got Peru and the Amazon and everything within easy traveling reach, and it. Um, it it's one of the places that I've thought about it. You know, I, I could see moving to Chile. I'm working on a novel that is called Via Sin Dios, which means go without God. And it is about, the, again, the intersection of technology, spirituality, the, the, the good and bad points of religion, and what uh, a colony of people that want to get away from religion uh, do about it, and what they encounter uh, positively and negatively as a result of their decisions. Did you happen to read, uh, I don't know if you read Neil Stevenson, but The Seven Eves? No, I haven't read that one. A lot, of, a lot of my impetus from, from this uh, stemmed from stuff several years back, but then when I read The Sparrow here about two years ago, that, that got me back in the mood to get, get going again on this story. So, uh, yeah. Did you read the second book to The Sparrow? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I have to do that. Uh, I, I can't remember I, the name of it. It's but, been a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been, so, it's been a while. I, I didn't impact me as much as The Sparrow because The Sparrow is quite shocking. Well, cool, Bob. It's great talking with you. Hey, uh, thanks for the opportunity. I really, I really appreciate it. If there's writers out there, don't ever stop. Don't ever quit trying. There's always a chance to get you know successful. Um, and all you got to do is just just keep keep at it. Don't give up. Never give up. However, you found Sci-Fi Thoughts be it iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation services. If you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and do us a favor. Go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review. Even clicking a few stars. And this will help out the show in many ways. Bob Soika's novella, Folito's Gift, is available on Amazon. This is the third and final episode in a series that started with episode 58. 
You can find this episode and others in the archive by typing into your web search, and I quote, Lancer Sci-Fi Thoughts Archive. And there is a link in the show notes.